Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Oh God, you are here, and we are here, Lord. May we be aware of your presence, and may we be here together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. Look at this. Hi, it's happy 4th of July weekend. I'm surprised. And hello to all our friends on YouTube that are at New Smyrna Beach or up in the mountains. Or I'm sure they're all like got off the beach to come here just, you know, right? right? So welcome. It's glad to see you. And also welcome to so many uh, faces and new folks returning. It's good to see oh, Eric and Alice and Nora. Like, woohoo, you're back. You're safe. Um, in case you don't know, talk to them. They've been in Columbia for six months, right? Okay, so do you all remember those real estate uh, infomercials from the 1980s? Some of you weren't born then, but um, uh, you, you may remember, I used to watch them late night in college. There was um, uh, Dave Delgado's cash flow system. You all remember these infomercials? Or Longwood, Florida had their very own guy. His name was Tommy Vu, Tom Vu. And he had a get-rich-quick real estate. And basically, these guys claimed to be self-made. And they had gone from rags to riches. And now they just promised to teach, you know, the average, ordinary people just like you, with no money, how you too can find ultimate success through their ultimate secrets to financial freedom and abundance, right? Uh, you can accumulate wealth fast and easy and achieve the life you've only dreamt of by taking advantage of the unlimited, abundant opportunities right in your neighborhood with real estate, just like they did. Now, a lot of these infomercials, if you remember them, <laughs> Uh, they were shot like at a coastal resort somewhere, you know, and there's yachts in the background or, or like Tommy Vu, he, he was in Longwood somewhere. So, you know, he had some big house, right? And he had a Rolls Royce parked in the driveway and he was leaning up against his Rolls Royce and some of them had Lamborghinis. And anyhow, um, I was thinking about they always, uh, that this was easy, right? And that it was just a wealth and an abundance of opportunity out there. And as wonderful as all of this may be, because, hey, I'll take a Lamborghini. Um, and we all know, though, that we long for something more than just places and things, right? I mean, people matter, too, right? And so in today's gospel, Jesus, I think, is inviting his followers to envision and to participate in a different kind of life of abundance and fulfill fulfillment. He says, the harvest is plentiful. It means the harvest is ab abundant, and yet very few people are engaged in this life-enlarging work. And though it's difficult and challenging and risky, he says that there's amazing growth and expansion that's possible. 
He declared that they too could experience this abundant life. And he promised to work with them to continue challenging, loving, healing the world just as he did. But he wasn't talking about Lamborghinis and Rolls Royces. He was talking about people and souls. He didn't have an infomercial or an 800 number back then. From the outset of his ministry, Jesus traveled from town to town. And he interacted with people. He engaged with people. He met them where they were on their journey, right? He met them person to person. And he demonstrated something to them, though. He enacted something. He demonstrated the very love of God. So when people encountered Jesus, they encountered this beautiful, not only message of God's redeeming love, but he, they experienced it in him. See, they experienced something beautiful. And so as they did, he was teaching others how to do what he did, how to love other people like he did. Now, when Jesus first started his mission, you all may remember this, that Jesus claimed that God's spirit was on him, like the one that created the universes, the one that breathes life and originates life. That spirit was on him and that he had been chosen to proclaim something that was radically good news to a group of people that had only lived and experienced bad news. And that is this, that they have God's favor. That God's favor is for all those who are burdened and battered and cast aside by life. To all those who felt forgotten and forsaken, those who were unloved and unwelcome, and those who felt unforgiven, that he had come in the spirit that was on him to set these people free from all that oppresses their soul and their spirit and their lives. And he was essentially saying you could be born anew, that you could be a new creation, that you could have new life. And he had a name for all of this. He called it the kingdom of God. Or as Matthew calls it, the kingdom of heaven. Which is really a reconstruction, a reimagining, a revision of the world that operates by God's values of love and compassion and healing. And as he went out and did this and engaged with people, more and more people were turned on to this message. They were turned on to this vision for new life. And they were captured by this possibility, right? And as they experienced that love, they responded by making kind of a clean break, if you will, from their old systems of thinking, believing, and living. And, and they became actual co-workers, participants with Jesus in announcing and enacting what he called the kingdom of God. That is where God reigns and love rules and justice, right? And they, they were wrapped up in that and they became a part of this movement with him, right? Now, you'll notice something in the New Testament. Jesus never enlists people to be spectators, critics, or consumers. Spectators, critics, or consumers, no. 
Jesus always invites people in, enlists people to become participants, right? Co-workers, if you will, in his divine transformation project, in God's dream for humanity. Never did he say, hey, sit there, man, make sure the sermon doesn't go too long, all right? And make sure you tell the priest at the door. No, I'm kidding. See, because he was saying, God, that's a joke, y'all. He's saying God is changing the world. And God wants to use your hands and your hearts. He wants to use you and me to make his dream for us, his intentions, a reality. And so today, in the day's gospel, um, as these crowds gather, now there's not just 12 disciples, there's 70. And so Jesus takes these 70 and he says, all right, go out and do this work. Now, before he did this, he says to them, he gives them a mission and he gives them a message. The mission is to proclaim and to make real this kingdom reality that God is near us, that God is here that God hasn't left you, that God hasn't forsaken you, that God is for you, that you can have new life, that God can restore you, heal you, build you up, and turn life around for you. He said, proclaim this good news for people and make it real by the way in which you engage them, the way you treat them, and the way you love them. Draw others into God's redeeming love. That is, to simply give themselves and point to the presence of God. In other words, be instruments in God's hands to help cure those who are physically, spiritually, emotionally sick. Now, what's amazing is Jesus sends these 70 people out in the same places that he intended to go. Now, it made me wonder, you know, Perhaps that's what we're doing here at St. Michael's. I mean, with every act of service that we do. I'm talking about our gathering where we feed four or 500 people a week or feed my lambs ministry to all the area schools. Um, um, maybe it's the backpacks and all the other things that we do, you know, or the Finca Six support down in the Dominican Republic or the Ukrainians in Poland. I mean, maybe every worship service, every small group that we do, every one-on-ones in our office, maybe all of that is the place that Jesus intends to go. And so all we are really doing is making space for people to have an encounter with God. So he sends us first. You scoop that bread pudding. And through that, maybe they'll encounter God. See, that's the beauty of what we do. And Jesus wants to go to those people and those places because God loves the world. And here's the thing, though. Jesus said, you can't take your Lamborghini with you, Rick. Right? No. He says, he he tells them to take nothing with them, that the only thing that they could take was love. That was their only weapon. They were going out. It was risky, right? They didn't get to take guns or swords or whatever, right, or the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They didn't get to do that. Love was their only weapon. And peace was their only currency. Love and shalom. 
hospitality, sharing, communion around the table, welcoming the excluded would be the pillars in which all of this would sustain them, right? So that others could see, experience, and respond to God and God's love through them. So he says, I'm sending you where I'm going. Secondly, here's an interesting thing. He called them for togetherness. In other words, he sends them out in pairs. I mean, this beautiful with God life is not intended to be lived on our own. We all know that because you're part of a body, right? That is what the church is. It's the body of Christ. And it wasn't ever intended to be us do this on our own. Now, I'm spiritual, but not religious, and I just have my own little thing, and I do it. No, 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 no. Um, it necessitates mutual help in a community, right? It takes people together. I mean, we live in a culture that says, look out for number one, right? Or, as Tommy Boom might say, the one who dies with the most toys wins, right? Jesus reminded them that we find real success, real meaning, real fulfillment only with and for each other. We literally need each other. When one falters, the other can help, right? If one is lost, the other can help them find their way. If one is discouraged, the other can come and hold faith for that person or together for a while. We truly, truly need each other and we can't do this journey and this life on our own and I think that's what we do here I mean as a community I mean St. Michael's is a loving family we love one another right I mean but we hold on to each other too don't we I mean we console one another we encourage and embolden one another and we even believe for one another especially when times are hard and difficult and challenging so we need each other, and Jesus sends them out, not alone, but together, in teams of two. Now, notice what Jesus makes as a priority. What do you think that would be? Jesus gives them their first task, and that is prayer. Can you believe that? Yeah, they must pray for God to bring others who are willing to participate in helping do this work. He says the harvest, man, the opportunities, the abundance is unlimited. The souls, the lost, the hurting, I mean, it is everywhere you look. The harvest is huge. But the laborers, not so much. Laborers are few. And he says, so pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. Isn't that something? He wants to draw people into this movement. You can't be, he can't do it on his own, if you will. He has a body, and the harvest in them is so big that it takes people together. So he asks them to pray. You know, the gospel tells us two things about every baptized person. Are you all ready for this? Every baptized person is tasked with and empowered to share this radical, great, good news of God's 
love and to bear witness to God's wherever they may be. Now, we may achieve it in different ways. I mean, quietly or spectacularly or verbally or just by loving and caring for other people. It may be through scoop, scooping bread pudding. It may be through a check. It may be um, smiling at someone in the grocery store. I don't know. But we do it in very different ways. But each and every one of us has been tasked and empowered to do this. It is the chief reason why the church exists. Isn't that something? So, you know, prayer is essential. Last weekend, we had a vestry retreat, your vestry. We all got together. It was really wonderful. And one of the key takeaways, though, from this vestry retreat, believe it or not, was the call for us to pray. I know. You would think we're all these, you know, educated, successful people that we wouldn't need to really do that. But the truth is, one of the re, um, statistics say that one of the leading chief causes of death in a local congregation is that the people no longer pray. Can you believe that? That part of the reason that it's not happening and there's not transformation um, is because people don't pray. See, Jesus tells his people, pray, man, pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Not shaming, no guilt, just planting a seed for you, okay? Everybody with me? Good. When's the last time that you prayed at St. Michael's? Or when's the last time we prayed to the Lord of the harvest that he would bring the laborers in so all of this that's going down and is in need that it can be filled and that God's good and beautiful kingdom will be manifest here and now. See, actually everything we do needs to be bathed in this vibrant prayer that is filled with faith. I mean, prayer is the essential health of a congregation and is the defining mark of blessing, of the blessing of a community. This is why Jesus encourages them to pray. It's essential. Now, here's something else. They went out and they did it, and it was a success. The mission was a success. And the disciples, they didn't return happy. They returned full of joy. Now, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Now, if I get Tommy Vu's Rolls Royce, I might be happy for a while. If I get that Lamborghini, I might be happy for a while. Maybe until somebody backs it in my garage or something. I don't know. But joy is different, isn't it? Joy takes place inside us. It's a gift. It's a fruit of the Spirit, see? And they came back. They had encountered these people, and they were full of joy. And you know what that feels like. I know you do. Because you've encountered people. You've done something for someone. You've been the love of God to someone, right? You've shared something. You've given something. You've done something to help someone or to maybe encourage someone or to draw someone in deeper to the love of God, to remind them that they're loved. And, and, and it makes a difference, doesn't it? And it's interesting, you've experienced that joy. You know what I'm talking about. I know you do. And so they went out and did this, and they came back, and they were full of joy. They were excited. 
<laughs> and, 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 and what they had accomplished. And Jesus says that the most important thing wasn't just stepping on the demons or the devils or whatever, the evil spirits. But he says the most important thing was that their names were written in heaven. Now, to name, have one's name written in heaven doesn't necessarily mean like you look up in the clouds and you go, does that say Rick? You know, what it, what it means is that you have the certainty, the absolute certainty that you're known and loved by God because you're out there doing this, right? And God sees that and knows that. You're going sometimes before him and, and, and that you are literally a part of this kingdom that we proclaim. That's what it means to have our names written in heaven. We are the people who are known and loved by God, just like the ones Jesus sent out in our gospel this morning. And together, we're appointed by God to reach out to the greater community, to rely on prayer and the one in whom we pray, to proclaim and enact God's kingdom love here, now, on earth, as in heaven. So go, as Jesus says, go. Christ has no body on earth but yours. Christ has no hands but yours. No feet but yours. You, you, are the eyes through which the compassion of Christ looks out onto the world. Yours are the feet, your feet, which he goes about doing good work. Yours, yours are the hands with which he intends to bless others now. So go, the harvest is abundant. Amen. So I invite you into silence. And where may he be encouraging you to go? Where is the harvest plentiful and the laborers few? Thanks for listening. If you like today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.